Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse podcast, where we are not a nightmare. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I am Joshua Johnson, your host. Uh, with me, as always, is Nick Hale to the rescue. Wagner. Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much. Just uh, still trying to slowly adjust to the off season. Still strange feeling not having games to watch on Sunday, right? Oh, yeah, you know, I've been cranking out these rookie profiles. I, I've i been watching plenty of football. <laughs> so, obviously, it's a little bit more condensed and uh, and uh, specialized now. But I'm having a lot of fun with that. Uh just had uh, Jeremy McNichols yesterday, uh, Jabril Peppers the day before, and the highly anticipated Miles Garrett out there on Sunday. Um, Luke uh, Grilly, our buddy here, just dropped his article about Jimmy Garoppolo and his future, where he could possibly end up, so make sure you uh, check that out. Today we're talking uh, AFC East. This is the first installment of what we'll be kind of doing here the next uh, eight eight shows, wherever we go, so we look at all the uh, divisions throughout uh, the NFL and kind of give you some dynasty and fantasy uh, fantasy advice throughout the uh, throughout each division. We'll take a special look at you know certain players here and there as well. Uh, like today, we're going to do a four against with the uh, Super Bowl hero James White. Uh, so we're going to go go over all the teams. But first, uh, Nick, I wanted to just get your thoughts on uh, some news. Um, obviously, it's changed a little bit now. It looked like it was going to be Brandon Albert to the Jags for Julius Thomas. Apparently, they were two separate deals, but it looks like that is all said and done. Um, obviously, it looks to be uh, a good good thing for uh julius thomas's uh value for at least this next season don't you think going back with adam gaze where he had his best years in denver oh definitely and uh, miami did fill a need there as both jordan cameron and Deion sims are set to be free agents so they they had a hole there and like you mentioned he's got the familiarity with the system so yeah it should be a should be a good thing for julius thomas provided he can stay healthy it's always kind of been a concern of his yeah yeah and i didn't even think Jordan Cameron, oh yeah, he's he's not anything anymore. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Brandon Albert, I think, feels the need for Jacksonville too. Um, that's pretty good, and that means Miami could push tons a lot to to tackle too. So there, there, that probably helps that offense a, a whole lot. Uh, should be pretty fun, and I think it's got a nice trickle down effect, especially to a guy like uh, Jarvis Landry who does so much damage on the perimeter. I mean, that's. I think you're slating him for 90 receptions when you make a move like this. Not that he wouldn't get that anyway, but I think it's just a safe floor for, for Mr. Landry now. Um, well, I think Nick kind of chatted about before we got it going. Kirk Cousins maybe switching coast? Something going on with uh, Kirk and uh, the uh, San Francisco 49ers potential deal maybe? What do you think about that? Yeah, uh, another player possibly reuniting with the offensive coordinator he worked with in uh, Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, it'd take a lot to get the deal done, I think. Uh, you know, I don't think Washington wants to give him away. I don't know if uh, San Francisco is willing to part with that number two overall pick either. So uh, I don't know if there's going to be maybe a pick swap some, uh, also going on in that trade if it if it takes place. But, yeah, it's uh, going to be very interesting to see what happens there with Mr. Cousins. Have you heard anything else? I mean, is there another – team that could come into play here. I mean, obviously he has the history of Shanahan. It would be a nice natural progression. I'm not sure how fantasy-wise it's going to help his value, though, considering the current core wide receivers there in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see any quarterback needy team try to get into the mix, but uh, you would have to figure that Washington would need something in return that would allow them to at least draft a quarterback unless there's uh, somebody like Cutler or uh, Tyrod Taylor or somebody like that that they are really enamored with. But uh, I would think they would probably go uh, looking in the draft if they were to trade Cousins. You really don't want to see Cutler in a – Redskin uniform, do you? <laughs> no, I absolutely do not. But you never know what the, what like the he's kind head of, guys are thinking. Yeah, 
he's kind of like the modern day Jeff George. I know George bounced around for a few more teams. You know, guys with just all the talent, arm talent in the world, but kind of a jerk. Um, and I didn't want to say a different word there, but uh, yeah, I feel like Cutler could be one of those guys that maybe is, you know, same path of a guy like Kerry Collins that maybe bounces around, plays for like three or four more teams while his career ends here. Um, yeah, we'll see. Well, um, and you mentioned news. you mentioned Jeff George. Jeff George is a guy who uh, came into Washington and took Brad Johnson's job. Uh, well, Brad Johnson, of course, went on to win a Super Bowl at Tampa Bay, so that could be a good sign for uh, for Kirk Cousins if he gets traded and you know, Cutler <laughs> takes his job, right? Yeah. So let's say you deal Kirk Cousins, and I promise we'll get to AFC East talk here. Are you okay with Colt McCoy being your quarterback for 2017? Um, provided we draft somebody like maybe a Watson or somebody like that, and he's just not quite ready to play week one, then I'm okay with it. But if we don't acquire anybody else and it's just Colt McCoy and maybe a fifth round pick as his backup, then, then I would be a little more, uh, apprehensive. Uh, see, I can see McCoy for one year. You take, uh, maybe Peter, Peterman from uh, Nathan Peterman out of pit, take him in the third or fourth round, let him sit there for a year. I think that'd be Real nice, but um, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks did a did a uh, mock on their podcast yesterday, and they had uh, Deshaun Watson go into Kansas City at the end of the first round. Kind of a luxury pick for a Chiefs team that was in the playoffs, but what a what a developmental guy to have coming in for Alex Smith. Think of that Watson and that offense doing the things that he does, you know, on the perimeter and, and moving things around a bit. That would be a lot of fun to watch. I think he's definitely a bit more of a an athlete than, uh, you know, McNabb was in that Philadelphia offense for Reed back in the day. So that'd be kind of fun. Uh, other other news that kind of struck me, Deshaun Jackson getting to Tampa Bay. Sounds like it's getting some good steam, obviously. You know, we hear a lot of rumors nowadays. And the other, another thing I heard was Tampa Bay potentially looking at drafting Delvin Cook to help uh, help this offense out. Two pieces in that offense uh, would be pretty pretty exciting, don't you think? Oh, definitely. Uh, if I was a Mike Evans owner, I would be really excited there, too. You have, I mean, his targets may go down, but you'd have to figure his good looks would go up just because the defenses wouldn't be able to focus on him near as much with the speed of Deshaun Jackson on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, any other news that struck you out there this week, Nick? Um, no, you know, it usually isn't very, uh, very fast-paced until the combine hits, and then we get the rumors really starting to flow. Okay. Mike Tolbert officially let go by uh, Carolina today, or yesterday maybe. So maybe they're in line for a big power back. Maybe they're maybe they're taking Fournette in the first. Huh? That'd be an interesting move there. Uh, moving on, let's get to these AFC East teams we've been talking about. Uh, not really, but we've been prefacing it. Uh, start right at home, New Super Bowl champs, New England Patriots, Nick. What do you think? Could, could Malcolm Mitchell outproduce Chris Hogan in this offense next year? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. I mean, as a deep threat, Chris Hogan's always going to be a boomer bust play. Well, Mitchell was fairly consistent over the second half of 2016. In weeks 11 through 16, he only had one game with under three receptions and scored four touchdowns in that span. And then, of course, in the Super Bowl 51, uh, seven catches for 70 yards. Uh, plus, at six foot one, 200 pounds, he's bigger than most of uh, New England's pass catchers. So if the tight end Bennett leaves, which a lot of people expect, he could be leaned on in the red zone a little bit. Uh, yeah, good good points there. Um, who who would you rather have? I mean, right now, I mean, they're maybe Mitchell's probably got a little bit of a higher ADP, but who who would you rather have going into uh, this season? Uh, Malcolm Mitchell, and it's not any slight to Chris Hogan. I do like Hogan and have him on a, a couple of my teams, but I just think Mitchell will be the more productive guy moving forward. Plus, he's a few years younger, so that always comes into play. Yeah, yeah, you know, he doesn't strike me as that guy that's going to be, you know, like a top 15 wide receiver. You know, maybe he finds that one year, but he's definitely, I think, a guy that could develop into a pretty, pretty solid wide receiver, too. I mean, if he could produce what Brandon LaFell did for that team a couple of years ago, I think as kind of playing that big receiver role, uh, I think you'd be pretty happy to have Malcolm Mitchell on your, on your squad, most definitely. Um. Yeah, and again, no slight on Hogan. Hogan's a quality player, but he's certainly on the older side. And obviously, New England liked him enough to bring him in. 
from their opponent. So he's gonna he's gonna get looks. Uh, but uh, yeah, for a team that doesn't have a big wow wide receiver, we I mean we know what Edelman is. They certainly have a lot of talent to work with, and obviously they put that to good use because they are once again Super Bowl champions. Uh, what do you think about this defense? These not a lot of glaring holes on the offense. We'll get to James White a little bit later on, but. Can Shane McQuillan or Kyle Vinoy be trustworthy options on the outside for this team? Well, you look at their numbers last year. Uh, Van Noy, 52 tackles. McClellan, 41 tackles. Uh, McClellan did have a career high 81 tackles in 2015, so he has pr- uh, produced more than that in the past, uh, while Van Noy's 52 tackles was a career high. Um, you know, as far as IDP fantasy-wise, I, I don't love either of these guys. I'd probably prefer Van Noy, I think, just because uh, on the depth chart on our lads anyway, he uh, they say he can play some middle linebacker where McClellan's mostly used outside. Uh, you know, and if Hightower leaves, I think that could definitely be a – uh, get, give Van Noy a bump in snaps if the team doesn't look to acquire another big name um, in, inside linebacker. But these guys, uh, they're they're typical New England guys. They're not superstars, but they do the jobs that they were brought in to do. Uh, the coaches know how to play to their players' strengths. So, uh, you, you know, they're not bad players, definitely. But uh, again, you know, don't don't <laughs> don't you know sell out trying to get them either. Yeah, yeah, they're pr- they're probably guys that are going to come cheap. You know, potentially guys on your waiver wire right now. Um, typical, like Nick said, New England players, typical guys that are cast off from other teams, too. You know, Vanoy was drafted by Tam- uh, not Tampa, excuse me, Detroit. Really couldn't get healthy for them. Had a lot of a lot of buzz coming out of BYU. Uh, McClellan is actually a defensive end in college, played a little linebacker, and has been kind of shifted all around in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, guys, guys that are intriguing, and like Nick's hit it on the head, of Hightower leaves. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna need both of these guys just because they have experience in their system to actually step up and play some pretty pretty prominent snaps this year. Whether that goes into IDP value or not, but it's certainly a, a certainly something to watch for there in New England. Um, but he, with, especially with Rob Nikovich being so old, also playing the same outside linebacker position, they they they're gonna be dependent on these guys unless they do something crazy in free agency. So make make sure you keep these guys in mind if you need need somebody to fill out your roster in the, in the summer. Uh, what about Trey Flowers? Uh, ever, there's a lot of people that are really, really starting to fall in love with this guy. What What is the 2017 floor and ceiling for this guy, Nick? Well, uh, in 2015, his rookie year, he missed virtually all of the year with an injury. So 2016 was his first real action, and he was very impressive. 45 tackles and seven sacks, and, uh, you know, we talk about it all the time. Usually linemen take longer to develop. Uh, now, as a defensive end in a 3-4, I think his sack ceiling is probably 10-ish. You, you just don't see the monsters 15, 20-sack seasons from guys in that position usually. But he's definitely a guy to ex- get excited about. Obviously, his floor, if he gets hurt again, is, you know, nothing. But, uh, yeah, he's a young player that I would be looking looking to acquire if I could get him for a decent price. Yeah, his price is probably pretty high right now. Uh, you know, it does seem like New England's never been able to produce that that big wow. You know, I don't think he's going to be a sack leader, but that big wow sack guy. Um, so that that could be something to, to look at there. But, uh, you know, there's no – no reason to expect that. I don't think he can't those numbers with a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, juice on top. You know, better those numbers. Duplicate them easy, but better them probably by a little, a little bit. So I certainly think that's a possibility there uh, for for Flowers. Uh, you, know, you you want to say, oh, he's going to get 15 sacks, but 10. I think 10 is more of a conservative conservative guesstimate and that that was something I think his owners would be very happy with especially if he reaches that same uh, tackle floor what about draft needs I mean obviously Garoppolo is a talk will they trade him will they won't they need to get overwhelmed to trade him blah 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 but I mean they're obviously a team that doesn't have a whole lot of glaring holes but uh, what do you think there Nick 
Well, historically, Belichick pretty much sticks to the best player available philosophy. Uh, I think if a front seven guy that he likes falls, that would be optimal. they got a lot of guys that are uh, free agents in the front seven, Jabal Sheard, Allen Branch, Chris Long, Hightower, Mingo. Uh, so, you know, that, that would be great if something like that happened. But they are the number one scoring defense. So, you know, if they re-sign a lot of those free agents, it wouldn't surprise me if they went offense. You, know, you can never have too many offensive linemen or maybe give Brady a stud running back to work with. He really hasn't had since, what, Corey Dillon? Yeah, it's a very good point. Uh, Blunt's a free agent. We don't know what Dion Lewis can do. You know, obviously he was healthy last year. Had a bit of an injury. It seems to be an issue for him staying healthy. Uh, but uh, what can they do? We've got James White essentially their their RB one right now officially with with free agency opening up. I I like that. You know, I got a Christian McCaffrey. I think there'd be money in that system, but uh, we'll see how that. Uh, We'll see how that works out there, uh, but I think I think best player available is pretty something pretty typical. There, you know, this defensive tackle class isn't great, but they could certainly use somebody like that. They could also use another pass rusher on the other side there for uh, for Trey Flowers to work with. Running back would be fun. Christian McCaffrey would be a blast. Um, they they are losing potentially uh, a corner and uh, their their third their their third safety slash nickel guy and, and Harmon and Logan Ryan so maybe maybe that's a, a thing, something they address there is a, a nice secondary player that fits their system uh, Buda Baker out of Washington somebody that I think would be right in their wheelhouse there maybe a tad early but uh, I could see him going at the end of the first round okay let's move on to the Jets, the New York football Jets. Uh, true or false? The Jets week one starting quarterback is on their current roster. What do you think? Uh, if I was a Jets fan, I would have to hope that's false. Uh, they get two guys on the <laughs> roster right now, Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg. Uh, you know, if I had to pick one, it would definitely be Petty. But I've kind of been a doubter as far as Hackenberg goes even before the draft. Uh, you know, if they do roll with one of these two guys at their week one and full season starter, then I would think Todd Bowles better just update his resume because it would be unlikely he'd still be there in 2018. Yeah, um, Cutler's a guy where there does seem to be uh, mutual interest, but it sounds like they probably are moving on from Brandon Marshall. So that that would be an odd predicament, but it would be kind of be a jet thing to do to get rid of his best friend and then sign him. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, like you said, let's hope not. Um, Petty has actually shown more than I thought he would coming out of Baylor. I really didn't see just even NFL backup out of him, but uh, he, he's shown me a little bit. So, I mean, that's, that's, I would certainly be a preference if you're thinking of that, but we're, you know, we're talking 20 team, two quarterback leagues. If you're, if you're rostering this guy, but uh, uh, so yeah, let's, let's hope not. Uh, and you know, Watt, they're probably too high picking right now. I mean, maybe they'd go after a guy like Trubisky or, or, Kaiser or Watson, but uh, probably not. Pro- I don't see them doing it in the first round. So Peterman's another guy. I think Peterman's such an intriguing player, a uh, guy that could, you could get later and possibly develop into something. He just reminds me of Rich Gannon. That's just the heck. See him taking that path. But anyway, what about these other wide receivers, not named Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker? Can we trust Robbie Anderson and Sharoni? Well, uh, Anderson, I think uh, you could. He's 6'3", 190. Uh, last year, 42 catches, 587 yards, and two scores as a rookie. Uh, Peak, 6'2", 208, only 19 catches, 186 yards. I think I'd have to see more from Peak to roster him, especially with the Jets' questionable quarterback situation. But uh, Robbie Anderson, I think, is a player to watch. He was a really great find for the Jets last year, one of the few bright spots on the team. And right now, I'd rank him not far behind Quincy Nunwa. And, of course, if Brandon Marshall and or Eric Decker were to get released, both Anderson and Enunwa would get a really big bump. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I got to admit something. I I went to uh, – I don't know if it was I was going to write a full-fledged rookie profile, but I think I was just going to do a little short rookie short on him for a podcast last year. And He was somebody that I had kind of heard about. I was like, oh, let's check this Temple kid out. And I, I saw – 
I saw I watched a little bit of film and then I saw that he was like he's like six feet like a, maybe a buck seventy five. I'm sure he's put on weight now, but I'm just looking there's no way this guy's an NFL player. I just there's no way. So I was I was definitely wrong on Robbie Anderson. I'm not saying he's gonna be a superstar now. Uh but I just I just did not see it at all. And I thought he was just a great college player that you you know, their system, but uh he he's come through and proven a lot. Peak is you know, he's just a freak athlete. These Clemson wide receivers that we've seen come out are all super, super studs. I mean, they're just, they just do, do a lot well. And because Peek wasn't that dominant player at the college level, we don't want to see don't see that out of him at the NFL. But let's remember the guys that he was behind, you know, Martavius Bryant, Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins was probably still there when he was a freshman. Mike Williams, Artavius Scott, the guys coming out this year. I mean, he was behind some players that he had to really fight for position with. So uh, they they both are intriguing to me. I think I would lean Anderson, uh, but again, a lot of that depends on, on their, on their quarterback situation. I, if Cutler goes there, I actually like a guy like peak is better. I think he's a little guy that can get downfield and, and do some things that Cutler Cutler likes. Uh, Anderson just seems to be more of that blue collar guy that can move the sticks. And maybe he's, he's a better, uh, a solid PPR option, but uh, we'll see. A lot of it depends on if Marshall is gone and if these guys can step up. Sounds like they're going to try to give Dick a go. We'll see how that works out. Uh, what about the Jets secondary, Nick? Who do you think will be the top IDP player in this Jets secondary in 2017? Well, as of right now, I would have to say Calvin Pryor, especially with the fact that a lot of people expect Marcus Gilchrist to be released uh, because of his salary. Uh, Pryor's going into year four, but he's still young. He won't turn 25 until July, uh, whereas Gilchrist, if he does return, is going to be 29 this season. And while Gilchrist has played 16 games in four of the last five seasons, he is getting close to that dreaded age of 30, and he's coming off a torn patellar tendon. Uh, you know, this team would save $4.6 million in cap savings. So, uh, you know, if you're going to ask me basically Calvin Pryor or any of the cornerbacks, I'm going to have to take Calvin Pryor. Oh, yeah, and I, you know, I've had this love-hate relationship with Calvin Pryor, so I suppose you're right. Um, I like to think maybe they – they address that position in the draft, and we'll get to the draft needs here in a second. And maybe that's the guy that that leads this team because maybe he's the guy that you know steps up and pick plays a little bit of nickel and gets picked on. Um, I would just I just want to see Pryor have like a safe year where he comes out and just just has that nice you know three to five tackles every game, and he's a guy that you could just depend on it maybe he has that big splash play you know every couple of weeks but uh uh i just i mean it, it's a safe play to say prior and I, and I hope you're right i i think i've gotten rid of all my shares of him now but uh that's kind of that safety position it's a little bit a little bit volatile but it's they're they're easy to find so if prior's out there just know that you know he could be the most veteran guy in that secondary st- at the start of the year so he's certainly worth Worth grabbing and see what happens. He's had he's had some trials and tribulations, but uh, he's the guy that could probably come through and help you out. Um, what do you think about draft needs for this Jets couple? I know. What do you think? Well, they got that number six pick. Uh, you think it's a little high for a quarterback? I think they have to pull the trigger on either Watson or Trubisky. Uh, you know, provided both of them are still there and they really like one of them. I know it's tough, especially after wasting a second round pick last year on the quarterback Hackenberg. But if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a shot. And you know, with Brady and company still in the division, you're probably not winning the AFC East anyway this year. So I think it's a perfect situation for a young quarterback to get some reps and experience. Uh, if they don't take the quarterback, I, I would recommend trading down because like you said they do have a number of holes to fill um you know another name a guy that really didn't get to talk about on the free agent show last week is nick fold he's a guy that's gonna go out there and test the market he's a guy with experience i think i think he's got to be the number two quarterback in the free agent market considering cousins is still out there right now guy with a lot of experience certainly more experience than a guy like mike glennon and i could see him working with that offense with Inouye, Anderson, and Peak. Um, another thing that I, I see, I mean, I, I agree they should take a QB, but they've done it, you know, three years in a row that would be for them taking a QB. And, yes, the other two are, are essentially flops right now, but and maybe maybe they should trade back. But uh, 
I don't think Foles is going to be their answer, their golden boy, you know, their their franchise quarterback, but he's a guy that could just maybe pump some life into this offense. And uh, maybe maybe they they can wait and let somebody develop or take a QB next year when I think the class is going to be a little bit stronger. So um, I, I also think a tight end is another big need for them. Uh, what do you think there, Nick? This is a deep class. I think they have they certainly will have a couple shots at it. They don't have to do it high either, but maybe they could go that route. Maybe O.J. Howard's their pick. That'd be super, super high, I think. But what do you think? Uh, it's possible. And uh, didn't, if I recall, didn't they sign uh, Austin Severian Jenkins midway through the season? So, you know, that's a guy who maybe now that they've had some time to work with him and now if they have a full off season, possibly they could be high on. I'm not sure. Uh, but, yeah, if if they're not really high on him, definitely tight end is a is a direction they could go, uh, especially given that uh, the Kellen Davis is a free agent. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I did forget about uh, ASJ there, but he's certainly uh... – a guy I don't think you could sit, certainly depend on, and maybe that means they don't go, they don't draft a tight end in the first couple of rounds. But I see them, you know, maybe with ASJ there, maybe they take a guy like Jake Butt, who's coming off the ACL out of Michigan, as the as their next guy there coming in. So uh, certainly a team with a, a lot of needs. And the running back is another big need for this team. Uh, I know Forte is good, and we saw a lot out of Bolapalo last year, but. Uh, those guys are both up there in age. Paulo's 29, I think. Forte's going to be 31. So they they certainly something to look at for the future. And if they don't draft a, run, a running back this year, like in the first three rounds, they're they're probably a shoo-in to do a first or second round next year, I believe. Especially with both classes, these, this next couple of years being pretty strong. Uh, let's move on to the Buffalo Bills, Nick. What do you think about Tyrod Taylor? He has to be their starting quarterback, right? There's just no way around it. They can't start over, especially if this coach wants to keep his job. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I know the the salary cap ramifications are kind of tricky, but they've got to find a way to keep him. Yeah. You look at his numbers, uh, 47 combined touchdowns and only 12 interceptions over the last two seasons. Uh, they're not going to find better than that, like, like, likely, especially if they go with the veteran route. Uh, you know, maybe one of these two top quarterbacks that, uh, were to fall to him in the draft. Maybe those guys are better in a couple years, but I just don't – definitely in the short term, they're not going to improve on Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, yeah, they just, just... – not a good class. Let Cardell Jones sit there for another year, figure things out. It's just they, they need to. They need to be. This needs to be the guy. What about the Buffalo receiving core? Is there is there any other receivers on this team not named Watkins that we, we should even consider in Dynasty? Well, it's a tough question because we don't know which receivers are still going to be with this team next year. Uh, you look at the upcoming free agents, Robert Woods, Percy Harvin, who I think is probably just retired, uh, Justin Hunter, and Marquise Goodwin, all set to be free agents. So, you know, if Woods either resigns or goes to a good situation, he's a guy I would maybe like. Uh, he has flashed at times. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, he's like a boomer bust deep threat, so decent in best ball formats, but I don't know if I'd uh, look towards him in standard PPR uh, leagues. Uh, I would keep an eye on on who they add and, the, and how the preseason depth chart shakes out, though. And uh, whoever is the number two uh, wide receiver on the depth chart, I think I would probably target if I was needy at the position. Yeah, good point there. That's You'd like to think they could get something worked out with Woods just because he's got that camaraderie of Watkins. But uh, they they also have some some money to uh, to figure out. They don't have money to throw it around. They just got to figure out what they're going to do with their money. And I think that's why there's a situation with Tyrod. They wanted to rework that deal a little bit. So, but it's going to come into play. So maybe maybe there's somebody they can get out the cheap. Maybe Michael Floyd's a guy that they can give a one year prove it deal to. See if he can keep his nose clean there in Buffalo. Um, defensive side of the ball, Ronald Darby remains just a safe cornerback to start. I think. Even if you know, even if Gilmore is re-signed, which is going to cost him a whole bunch of money for Buffalo, and it, and if he's not, he's he's a huge player, don't you think? I just he's just just a safe corner. He he's a guy that can make plays, can record IDP stats as well. So I, I just 
I really, really like him moving forward. He's just he, when I think about top three IDP corners, I know it's kind of a hard thing to figure out week to week, but Darby's the guy that I I want in my lineup every week. What do you think there, Nick? Yeah, you're right. He is very consistent for a cornerback. Uh, last year he had three or more tackles in all but one of the 14 games that he played. Uh, he's had been just under 70 tackles each of his first two seasons. He's only 23 years old, too, and has decent draft pedigree, the 50th overall pick. Uh, you mentioned uh, Stephen Gilmore or Stephon Gilmore. I think if Gilmore leaves, that might actually hurt Darby a little bit just because uh, quarterbacks won't be avoiding Gilmore as they did in the past, but still definitely one of the most solid cornerbacks you can have idp yeah, but I I do think I hear what you're saying there with it maybe hurting, but I think there will be a little bit of a window like, well now Darby's facing wide receiver ones. So let's see how how we can push him. Let's see how these guys beat him. So I think that's uh, uh, certainly something to look at there. I think it's it's plausible that he could even be better with Darby's gone, but we'll see. We'll see how that works out. Agree to disagree at this point. Uh, and that is a very good point about, you brought up. Very good point. Yeah. What do you think about draft needs for these Bills? They, they they were a pretty hot team in the middle of the year, but obviously they have some holes. Zach Brown's a free agent. We'll see, we'll see what they do if they could bring him back. But what do you think about draft needs there? Well, you mentioned a lot of a lot of holes. Uh, there's just so much unknown between now and the draft, and then so much unknown between the number one and the number ten picks. Uh, I saw a mock on CBS Sports this week that had zero wide receivers going in the top ten. Might be kind of cool to pair the uh, Clemson alum Sammy Watkins with fellow Clemson guy Mike Williams at wide receiver. You know, I'm not sure Williams is going to be there. You know, this this particular mock draft had uh, running back Dalvin Cook going at number four. I think thought that was a little high. So, you know, you know, I'm not convinced Mike Williams will still be there at pick number 10, but if he is, I think it would be hard to pass up that, especially given, given the fact that that is a need with, uh, with all the free agents they have at wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, you know, Corey Davis is another guy Williams going before Davis. Um, and I don't know how excited the dynasty community would be for Corey Davis to go to Buffalo. No slight against that team, but we, we kind of know what they are, know what their identity is. They already have that wide receiver one. Um, I can't remember who exactly it was, but I've heard some very some, – like, I listen to a lot of podcasts, keep my ears to the ground just for you guys so I can regurgitate information and let you keep you guys in the know. But uh, somebody dropped the uh, – uh, Terrell Owens comparison to uh, Corey Davis and that just I already love the guy and that just got me even more excited so uh, that that would be a nice pair in there too but yeah Clemson Clemson alums would do, would do very very nicely too and I, they, uh, I know uh, coach Brian Billick talks about uh, you when you're building a team you have to have kind of like a basketball team of wide receivers, guys that kind of are all shapes and sizes, guys that do different things. And you, Watkins is that just get down the field, make some plays. Uh, Williams can be that nice vertical guy. Uh, they can get up and go high point balls. That that would be a nice combination. That would certainly help uh, Tyrod out if they were able to do that. They do definitely need some help in the linebacking core, especially if they can't get anything done with Brown. And if Gilmore leaves, you you see them go draft at the corner probably in the first I probably say first four rounds at least. So definitely some some work to the, to do there in Buffalo. But it's got to be Tyrod Taylor. Come on, guys, let's let's keep it keep it moving. Give give Tyrod give Tyrod what he needs. Let him be your starting quarterback if you want to do anything this year, because if yeah, no. it's just not going to work out any other way. Um, seems like every team could always use an offensive line. We talk about that too. Um, not a great class for this. For what else? For what I have seen, obviously, I'm a fancy guy. I pay more attention to those type of players than the IDP players. But not overly impressed with the offensive line class. I'm not saying there's nobody out there. There's certainly some guys that I think can develop into some starters, but not an overly impressive deep class. So. I wouldn't be surprised to see a limited number of offensive linemen go in the uh, first couple rounds. What do you think about the Miami Dolphins, Nick? Uh, Leonte Crew, a guy that had a lot of fans last year about this time and gained a lot of steam. Then he went to Miami and kind of uh, everything kind of just fell apart for his love, essentially. Can he step up and be that adequate wide adequate wide receiver three in Miami? Can he do what Kenny Stills did for this team? Basically, is what what I'm saying. I think he's a little bit stronger guy, a little guy that guy they trust going across the middle. What do you think? 
Well, you left out the most amazing stat about Carew. He scored a touchdown on 33% of his catches as a rookie. You know, it's too bad he only had three <laughs> catches, so one score. But, you know, the Dolphins did have Jarvis Landry, Deontay, or Devontae Parker, and like you mentioned, Kenny Stills. And now Stills is likely going to be gone. Uh, also, you know, you look at Carew in his freshman year in college, he didn't contribute at all on offense uh, before going on to catch 29 catches in his or 29 touchdowns in his final three seasons in the NCAA. So, yeah, Miami liked him enough to give up a third, a fourth, and a sixth round pick to move up to get him. So I kind of like him as a breakout candidate. Yeah, very good point on the picks that they gave up to get him. Um, Julius Thomas maybe cuts into that a little bit, but maybe that's just they don't think he's quite there. So maybe he's maybe he's a guy that develops and gets stronger as the season goes on there for for Miami. I I like him. I liked him a lot. I thought, obviously, tough situation being shrouded by Landry and Parker, but Stills will be out of the way now. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that works out there. But I, I I think Carew can can step up, and he's he's a guy that I think you could potentially buy low on right now. Um, you know, and what what I mean by buy low is maybe look to see where that player or that owner drafted him and maybe offer him a pick less. That's how you gain gain value here in Dynasty. Maybe just, you know, if he was end of the second, maybe you offer him a mid third form and that's that's something that you can you could build on and make your roster stronger. And if Carew does have a, a good end to the year, maybe you could trade high on him. Uh get that same type of pick back for him. Uh what do you think about Keon Drake? How much will Keon Drake cut into JGI's touches? Well, Drake did stay healthy as a rookie, but he's not on my fantasy radar quite yet. Uh, another running back there, Damian Williams, is a restricted free agent. Usually those guys who are restricted end up returning. I know not always, but usually they do. Uh, Drake in weeks 15 through 17 got five carries, four carries, and four carries, but then zero touches in the playoff loss. Uh, you know, I think Drake may double or even triple his workload, but even the triple his carries, and you're still at under 100 carries. So I just don't think there's a lot of fantasy value there for him. And But while not exceptionally valuable himself, I think he, him being around could hurt J.H.I.'s value, just uh, it being becoming more, a little bit more of a running back by committee situation. Not a full-blown committee. I do still think of is the lead back, but I do see his touches maybe falling just a little bit. Ah. Uh. Very good point there. Yeah, I think I think they're ready to have Ajay be their guy. I mean, we know Gaze likes to have a few different weapons, and I wouldn't be surprised to see this team add a add a running back. I know I know Ajay owners don't want to hear that at all, but uh, and I as a Ajay owner don't want to, especially don't want to hear that. But uh, uh, being the offensive mind that Gaze is, and you know he's got the history of Peyton Manning as well. He wants to have a lot of playmakers, and I, I think you'll see a role for Drake in this offense, and it's it's going to be an expanded role from what it was. He he had a little bit of injury problems, uh, but he's he's a guy that they can move around. You know, he could be that third down back. He can line up in the slot if they need him to uh, when they shift some things around. So I, I think I think you're going to see a role for him most definitely. Uh, new. Obviously, this team lost their defensive coordinator. He is now the, the Denver Broncos head coach, uh, Vance Joseph. New dis- defensive coordinator, Matt Burke, has never been a coordinator before, not at any level, at least not college or pro. Should we be concerned about any certain Miami IDP players because of this? He does have a, a linebacking coach background, but should should we be concerned by this, that this guy's never been a coordinator before? I mean, Oakland kind of went through the same thing with Ken Norton. And ironically, the Oakland's weakness was linebacker, the position that Norton played himself. What do you think? Well, according to a January article on uh, palmbeachpost.com, they're not sure if Kiko Alonso is going to play either inside or out. Now, Alonso had 115 tackles last season, so if he were to change positions, that would definitely be a red flag to me. But overall, there's not a whole lot of concern. He was the team's linebacking coach and got promoted, so uh, I don't think they're really looking to overhaul the scheme, just kind of tweak it a little bit. So other than Alonso, I'm not too concerned about anybody. Good point, and Alonzo, we'll see what uh, Rashard Jones could be coming back from that injury. Um, probably my favorite name to say in the NFL right now, Isa Abdullah Uh 
just rolls off the tongue so nice. But anyway, he's a guy that stepped up when Jones went out. Got some pretty valuable experience. Pretty sure he was in Detroit before coming to Miami last year. Uh, but he's he's an intriguing player that I like. And, you know, when, when those secondary coaches get promoted like that, sometimes those guys that were backups gain a little bit of steam, a little bit of edge just because they have that camaraderie with those types of coaches. So uh, good good points there on, uh, uh, excuse me, Alonzo. And we'll see. Like you said, nothing's going to change too much. Just going to tweak it. I know Mario Williams is probably gone. They just gave him a one-year deal. They did re-sign Cameron Wake, so I, I expect that'll help help Wake. I don't know what they're going to do on the other side, but yeah, you hate to see. I would really hate to see Alonzo move to the outside. I mean, not not that he couldn't be a hunter tackle guy on the outside. Just going to be a lot harder. What do you think about draft needs for the Miami Dolphins, Nick? Well, they got the 22nd overall pick. I think they have to go defense. Uh, he, last year they were 29th in total yards allowed, 30th against the run, so front seven would be the obvious choice. Uh, pass rushing defensive end or run-stopping linebacker probably top of the list. Uh, they've got some defensive linemen that are free agents. You mentioned Mario Williams. Also, uh, Andre Branch and the defensive tackle Earl Mitchell are sent to be free agents. So, yeah, somewhere in that front seven I think is where they have to go. Yeah, and, and maybe it's a – an edge player, maybe, you know, best player available, whether it's defensive end or outside linebacker. Uh, certainly something they need to look at high. Uh, they needed, I think they do need a DB. They hit, you know, Brian Maxwell is at young. Xavier Howard was a rookie last year, played really well when healthy. We already mentioned Jones and Quaidus. So they, they kind of have their secondary core, but they need that other guy to kind of come in and, and be that nickel, be that future type of player in their secondary, so they, they should certainly look there. I think O-line will be something, too, especially interior with Tunsil kicking out to tackle now. They will probably be looking to get grab a guard, and the guard class, I think, is probably better than the tackle class, so look for them to do that maybe the first couple couple rounds. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised. I know this is not a strong quarterback class, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them guys, to see Miami take a flyer on somebody, somebody in the middle of the round, somebody like – Let's say a Brad Kaya drops to, like, the fourth round. I think Miami would be intrigued. Um, wait, was it last week we talked? Yeah, last week we talked Mixon versus Piron. I had just had a thought for some reason the other day in the car, Nick. Um, let's say Joe Mixon lasts till round four. How does Jerry Jones not lose his bleep and draft him, right? If he – if Joe Mixon makes it to round four. The Dallas Cowboys really confused the entire fantasy world and, and pair Mixon with, with Ezekiel Elliott, don't you think? I mean, Jerry Jones would not be able to help himself, don't you think? Yeah, it's a very intriguing possibility. Uh, <laughs> uh, so much baggage, though. I, but, you know, we've seen Jerry Jones not be afraid of the baggage before when they went out and signed Greg Hardy, so... Uh, uh, yeah, I think Dallas is probably as likely a landing spot as any in the NFL. Yeah. And, the, you know, they kind of swung and missed with the whole Randy Gregory situation, too. And maybe maybe he's not the one solely making that call. But, uh, I, you know, and I hear keep hearing day three. And and I know it's it's a really wide – because I've also heard that there's a possibility he doesn't get drafted at all. I don't believe that. I don't believe day – I would – I would, I guess, I would see him not being drafted at all before I would see him going in day three. I think he's either day two or not getting drafted at all. Does that make sense? <laughs> I just don't see, I don't see it happening in day three. I mean, I know that I know the lottery ticket thing whole really, really gains steam there in game three, day three. But uh, I just think if somebody doesn't pull the trigger in rounds three or four, he's not going to get drafted at all. What do you think? I don't know. I personally see him more as like a fifth, sixth round guy just because of the off-field concerns, but uh, we've seen stranger things happen on draft day. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, okay. Uh, I thought we'd do a little bit of dynasty trade reflection, then I, of course, found some dynasty trades to talk about too, but um, this first one, I want to roll the clock back. I should have had some awesome sound bite for that, but anyway. I want to roll the clock back to uh, 
May of 2016, when Nick shipped a boatload of picks, 2.03, 5.03, 6.03, and 7.03 for the rights to draft Carson Wentz. I believe it was like 1.16. Now, at the time, it seemed like Nick's trading the whole rest of his draft, but he 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 only traded the second, didn't trade the third or the fourth. And the fifth, sixth, and seventh are really, you know, in an IDP league, you know, those are certainly useful picks. But I, I went back and said, Let, let's see what was gained from this, and and maybe this this is just a good lesson for you if you if you see a player that you need, and you you hit you just go for it because Nick Nick so like I said Nick's traded four picks to draft Carson Wentz one point one six. This is a sixteen team full IDP league. Not two quarterback, but it's a 16-team league. So quarter, starting quarterbacks are pretty hot commodity. Do you remember? Do you remember this, Nick? It was you and uh, Bruce, I believe. Your picks, his uh, picks for 2.03 was Paxton Lynch. 5.03 was Scooby Wright. 6.03 was T.J. Jones, and 7.03 was Emmanuel Ogba. Uh, I do remember that trade, and I'm very happy with it. Uh, I should also mention that the 7.03 Ogba, uh, I ended up picking him up off waiver wires anyway, so and ended up just being three picks in the, <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, you know, Wentz was the only quarterback I trusted in the 2016 draft, and so I moved up and got him. Uh, you know, my other two quarterbacks in that league are Blake Bortles and Ben Roethlisberger, so that means that any year I could have ended up without a quarterback if Roethlisberger were to retire and Bortles loses his job. Um, you mentioned in a 16-team league, uh, starting quarterbacks are definitely at a premium, and now I have three of them. And plus, it's also a best ball league, so it's nice I don't have to stress out about which one I'm going to start, whoever has the best game is going to be my starter that week. So that's that's also a nice caveat to have. Yeah, and and when you see a trade like this happen, you're like, gosh, that's a lot of picks, you know, just to move up four spots or whatever. And, and you know, we could have swung – Nick could have swung and missed and drafted Paxton Lynch at 1.6 and let let uh, Carson Wentz slip. You know, that just, it's just how it happened. It's just – he just got lucky. But it's, I think it's always good to look go back and look at some of these trades like this and see where they seemed shocking at first, especially after I used a 1.14 on a linebacker. Nick started the quarterback train. <laughs> it just it just <laughs> demolished the whole system. But uh, it's important to go back and look at these trades and see who is actually picked with those picks because it in the long run it you know it's not a really glamorous trade to talk about. But because Nick came out of it with Carson Palmer, uh, or excuse me, Carson Wentz, I think that's that's huge and that's it's like I said he got lucky. Obviously this is before Bradford was dealt and whatnot, but. Uh, it's, it's Like I said, it's important to go back and just kind of look and see what was actually gained. Uh, roll the clock back even further, October 2015. I sent James Jones to a contender in DFW 36, and I received Robert Woods in the 2016 third. I forgot to write down who I took with that pick. Um, but I think it was probably DeAndre Washington, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, but uh, so – I, I gained a little bit of something out of there, and James Jones is obviously no longer in the league. So, again, like I said, it's one of those things important to go back and look at there. At the time, Jones had went back to Green Bay and was, was playing really well, right? So, yeah, he went back to Green Bay and was playing really well, and I just I saw a chance to, to move him. Woods is a free agent. You know, wherever he ends up, I, I, I don't know at this point, but that, that's a thing. That's something, certainly something that could help his value, and I have a 24-year-old wide, wide, wide receiver excuse me, hitting the free agent market. It's going to get paid to somebody by, by somebody that needs to use him in their offense. So I think I, think I came out ahead in that one too, don't you think, Nick? Oh, definitely, especially considering he said you traded Jones in October, so that meant he only had about, what, two, two and a half months left in the NFL uh, so you, you were able to get a serviceable wide receiver in Woods, uh, the third-round pick, uh, which you said uh, you got the running back Washington, who's you know another serviceable player, not not your RB1 by any means, but you got a couple decent guys for a guy who was going to be off your roster in a couple months. So especially, uh, I'm assuming you weren't uh, contending uh, your top-flight team this year. So, yeah, definitely a good trade for you. Yeah, and I was looking at, you know, August 1st, I was considering cutting James Jones when he had roster cuts because he still wasn't on an NFL team. And <laughs> it eventually turned into that. So that's 
like I said, that's why we go back and look at trades like that. So uh, we do have a for or against within this division. Uh, I thought we'd talk about Super Bowl hero James White. Now, I had the four side, so I will go first. Uh, as for now, Garrett Blunt is not a Patriot, and Deion Lewis is always hurt. So White has to be the default New England RB1, right, Nick? Yeah, but he's not a normal style running back. He, he's rushed for under 300 yards combined over three years. So he's very dependent on the game flow. Games that New England jumps out to an early lead, he likely isn't going to see much work as the pass receiving back. Okay. He was successful between the tackles in college, and I know – we we know how and we know how patient and deliberate Bill Belichick can be, so maybe the next step is for White to be that touch majority guy, be again that RB one for this team. Maybe he handles fifteen to twenty balls per game now. Uh, I just have a hard time believing that's going to be the case. As with most Belichick running backs, he's very inconsistent. You know, look at some of his yardage uh, totals in games from last year, 2 yards, 10 yards, 14, 18, 21, 22, 24. Uh, three games he had 32 yards. And I know he's a receiving back, not a runner, but those are all receiving yard totals. So that's what he specialized in. He only topped 20 yards rushing once last year when he had 26 yards in week five. So yeah, just, just again, too inconsistent for my taste. Okay. Well, we always talk about inconsistency. We're <laughs> getting so good at these. Uh, uh, I feel like I can answer you sometimes. I, I don't. I don't always read my four against in order, just because they they end up being better misread because I can answer you better. But this one is actually my next one in order. We always talk about inconsistency with new lingo and running backs. But White saw at least four targets four or more targets in all but two games in 2016. Not bad for a player who hasn't really matured as a pro yet. And now Nick talked specifically more about the stats, but at least there is opportunity there for White. And the more he matures, I think the better those stats will become. That, that is true. He's definitely still a young, growing player. But you look at most teams, they have one passing down back, like Chris Thompson in Washington. But that's not the case in New England. You never know who the coaches are going to ride in the passing game week to week. Deion Lewis got a lot of work once he got healthy last season. Uh, you know, if you did any uh, playoff fantasy tournaments and you, had, uh, and you had James White, you might not have even got to the Super Bowl to benefit from that huge game he had after the AFC Championship game when he had one carry for zero yards, three catches for eight yards. It's just so tough to trust those New England running backs. Mm. So Olenine White right now is awesome because you could really maximize your value for him in a trade. I think you know, maybe not with the smartest dynasty owners, but maybe some of the newbies in your league, maybe they they will overpay for him. And, and I think that that is the key to think about when you got a guy like a Super Bowl hero like this. We see these Super Bowl heroes get overpaid all the time in free agency. Larry Brown, need I say any more? I mean, it's we see it happen week to or every single year that these Super Bowl heroes get overpaid. And I think you can maximize that value on the trade market in Dynasty. And and just one more thing to ponder about James White. Barely, uh, Belichick has drafted one running back. In the last five years, he took James White in the fourth round, and he and he and, and if he if he that's that's the only excuse me that's the only running back they've drafted. And granted, they could do that this year, draft a running back even higher, but uh, that's the only one they've drafted in the last five years. And look what they have done with him. Uh, I think I think he's I think they want him in this team. I want they want to feature him part of this team. So I I like it. And I like the fact that he wears that number 28, former Corey Dillon's number. So, Well, you know what? I may have been too hard on him. He, he is a good player. He's only 25 years old, and he's improving. His reception totals rose from 5 to 40 to 60 this last year. He, he's definitely not trash by any means. Uh, but, you know, you hit the nail on the head. In fantasy, you want to buy low and sell high. And after 14 catches, 110 yards, and three total scores in a Super Bowl that not only did everybody watch, but it was such an epic game, people are going to be remembering that all season, all off season. It's going to stay fresh in people's minds. Uh, James White's 
value has never been higher. So if you're an owner getting good offers, I think it could be a great time to unload him for more consistent options. Yes, very, very good point. I think you ended with a four. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's moving on. The dynasty, some well, dynasty trade analysis before we get out of here. What's up? I was just going to say, I, I did recommend selling high, so wouldn't that be against? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, uh, yeah, just don't just don't buy high. That would be against. But anyway, um, Dynasty trade analysis, just a couple before we get out of here. Uh, what do you think about Grok and a third for A.J. Green? This is from DFW48. Uh, I, I like AJ Green, but and, and if he had been, you know, played all 16 games each of the last three years, I think maybe I would understand this trade. But I, I just couldn't bring myself to give up Gronk and a third round pick. I think Gronk, when healthy, is the number one tight end in the league. And you look at other top tight ends; they also come with injury risks. Jordan Reed with the concussions, etc. So, you know, I, I would not give up Gronk right now. I think I, I would be actually looking to buy low on Gronk right now. So. Yeah, if somebody offered me Gronk in the third for AJ Green, I would. I think I would take that trade. So, got to go with the Gronk side. I think I got to disagree just a little bit. I think you're getting a premier player. I mean, these guys are both, you know, top ten fantasy players in this league. You know, maybe maybe they're eleven and twelve if you want to really argue about it. But uh, and that that third extra third, you know. It's in this league that third round pick is really not that much. The rosters are kind of small, not a whole lot of not a whole lot of value in that third. It's not like everybody's hitting in the third round. Maybe a couple guys every year, but I I don't see that pick really coming in as a huge factor here. I guess I don't know exactly where it is, but uh, I think it's a pretty fair deal. I think if I was a Gronk owner and suffered through last year, I think I'd be pretty happy to get a legitimate wide receiver one out of it, who I think is actually a little bit younger than Grok, so I, I could be wrong on that fact, but uh, I think it's I think it's a fairly even trade if you do it by themselves, and I think if you need to give up that third to get the deal done, I, I totally understand it, so I, I just want to disagree a little bit. Uh, this one is completely ridiculous, and these are not all expert trades that we're talking about here, but I, I, I pull a lot of them off Twitter, and some of them intrigue me, and we don't talk about all of them, uh, but uh, this one I just thought was absolutely wild. All right. I hope you have a pen to write this all down. 1.06, 2018 first, and a 2019 first, and Paul Perkins. So, sorry. 1.06, 2018 first, 2019 first, and Paul Perkins. All of that for Antonio Brown. So basically three firsts, even if they're middling firsts, uh, for, and Paul Perkins for Antonio Brown. What do you think there, Nick? You're right. This is a wild, wild trade. Um, I think it all depends on the situation with the team that owned Antonio Brown previously. I personally own Antonio Brown in two leagues. Uh, one of them I won last year. The other league I finished third. Uh, so in those leagues, I'm looking to win now. I would not unload Antonio Brown for all that. However, if I was not in a position where I was going to be a favorite to be you know, a top five team in my league next year, I, I think I hey, three first-round picks, like you said, even if they're not – you know, top first-round picks, there's still three middle-of-the-road first-round picks, plus a guy like Paul Perkins, who the future looks a lot brighter now since uh, Jennings got released in, in New York. Uh, you know, if I if I were not assured a playoff spot, basically, I think I would unload Antonio Brown for that. But but if I'm thinking I'm going to win it all, I'm not trading Brown for anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, let's say that 1.06 is that team's you know, draft pick based on position. They're getting Antonio Brown. They're probably getting they're probably getting a little bit of a bump. So maybe that next year it's you know, one point zero eight or one point one zero. You know, that's that's not the kind of pick that you want in return for Antonio Brown. Um, because when you're trading them to a middle team, you're certainly making them stronger. So I understand both sides of it. When you you know, when you first see it, it seems so crazy to give up that much, but. Uh, I certainly understand both sides of it, and I and I I hope it makes makes sense. And I think I can see any I can see a couple of leagues that we're in Nick, together. This, a lot of people being really confused by this trade, but uh, um, 
I think, you know, three first is a, is a pretty solid marker to put on a marquee player like Antonio Brown. Uh, it makes sense. They are middling first. They could be, you know, and he is up there in age. So I, I, I understand both sides of it, and I hope I hope it's uh, mutually beneficial. But just too, too wild of a trade not to uh, talk about, in my opinion. So that is all we have for you today, Nick. Um, next week we're talking about your division, the NFC East. I almost thought we should maybe wait a week or two and see what happens with the whole Kirk Cousins situation, but we'll talk more about it next week. Nick, what do you think? That sounds good. It's always fun to speculate before the things actually actually happen, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll speculate, and then Kirk Cousins will get traded like 12 minutes after the podcast is done next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that is all we have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us. We, we appreciate you. Uh, if you Please rate, review, subscribe to us uh, on iTunes, Stitcher. You can just even type in Block Talk Radio and search Dynasty, and you'll find us. Uh, we we appreciate you guys as viewers. Had a really good listeners. Excuse me. We had a really good week last week. We would love to expound on that. Um, even if we're not talking about your favorite teams from your from your or division that your favorite team is in, uh, we're helping you out Dynasty and fantasy wise. But make sure you make sure you check that out. Tell your friends we. We do appreciate it. Comment. Tell us what you want us to talk about. Give us questions for the AFC East next week. I would love to have questions from you. So thanks for listening, and hope you guys all have a good week. Nick, take care, buddy. You too. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Bowl Podcast with Nick, Neil, Hugh, and Wagner, and Johnson. 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 Joh